0: Man, I'm telling you, there is hope today in Jesus as we've been seeing in our church. If you've been with us for the last few weeks, you have now been able to experience over 25 people getting baptized. And a lot of them represent, yeah, a lot of them represent youth. And it's just an amazing thing to see that God is grabbing the hearts of the younger generation, but also just the deep and profound encouragement that I have as a pastor of seeing parents, moms and dads, discipling their children to see, to meet, know, and follow Jesus. It's absolutely amazing. So, man, I'm thrilled. Like that in itself is a sermon. We should be done. Amen. Amen. Jesus shared with us through the scriptures in John 16, saying to his disciples that it would be to their benefit, to our benefit, that he would go back to the Father. In fact, I can imagine hearing that statement from Jesus and being a little bit in shock. In fact, sometimes when I read that, I feel a little bit of a dissonance in there. I'm like, how can you say it's for our benefit that you would go back to the Father? Wouldn't it be so much easier to follow you if you were present in our midst? But he's just like, if I don't go, then I cannot send the Holy Spirit. And then he starts to explain the significance of some of the roles of the Holy Spirit. Specifically, in this passage, he's saying that when the Spirit comes, he'll convict the world of sin and of righteousness. Like he'll start to move into people's hearts to show them, to reveal to them, to make plain to us of our spiritual need, our brokenness, our sin, the fact that we are alienated from God. And at the same time, he would begin to open our eyes and help us to see the solution to that predicament. That it's through Jesus who took our sin and made a way for us to be justified, to be having a right relationship with a pure and innocent record before God. To liberate us, to free us from sin, the flesh, death. That's what God did. Jesus said, it's for your benefit that I go, because this is what the Holy Spirit is going to be doing. I love when we get to celebrate baptism. It's a powerful symbol of the gospel. The death and resurrection of Jesus. When they go under, we say, you've been buried with him. In his death, and when they come out of the water, he said, you've been raised with him in the newness of life. But what we need to understand clearly is that the gospel implications and how the gospel gets into our lives is profoundly a work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus made the way, but the Holy Spirit is the one that makes it effective in our hearts. So when we look at baptism, when we see those three kids professing faith in Jesus, that is a witness of the Holy Spirit at work in those who believe. It's an absolute marvelous reality that we need to remind ourselves of. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts of sin and of righteousness. Now, it would be a missed moment this morning, specifically as we talk about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit moves and works and prompts and nudges and whatever verb you want to use there to not give you an opportunity to be baptized as well if the Holy Spirit is beginning to nudge on you, to prompt you. Maybe there's an impulse inside of you saying, man, maybe I should get baptized. Or maybe even if there's like questions of should I or shouldn't I be baptized, wondering if you should or you shouldn't be baptized, this is the morning where I want to encourage you and provide you an opportunity to experience the Holy Spirit, but also to walk in obedience to the Spirit's leading this morning. Today... As we are talking about the Holy Spirit, this is week three, we added on one more week to this series, Now I want to encourage you, I know it's 4th of July weekend next weekend, but I want to tell you, you really want to be here next Sunday, because we're going to talk about what does it really look like to pray in the Spirit, but we're also going to start to uncover and pull back some of the layers of the spiritual gifts that God has given the church, and what does that mean for us. But as we're looking at this concept of Holy Spirit, I think we need to be honest and very uh, sober-minded when it comes to how we see the Holy Spirit. Specifically in theologically conservative evangelical churches, not politically conservative, theologically conservative, where we're more word-based type people, that we tend to relegate the Holy Spirit to an academic exercise. Like we, we know about the Holy Spirit, we understand the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, we believe in the Holy Spirit, we know he's a trinity, but we don't oftentimes talk about experiencing the Holy Spirit. And so that is a shame because Jesus was so excited to go to the Father to send the Holy Spirit. It was what the Father had promised. In fact, if we don't understand the Holy Spirit, then we really cannot make sense of anything gospel-related at all. We saw last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, that we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. This word fellowship speaks of relationship. It speaks of growing to know each other, to understand each other more. So if it's fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that means there's something more than just a academic uh, exercise, and it's also something that we really need to experience and to live with and interact with. Absolutely vital for us to understand. The early church in fact, I want to, like, I hope you start to see this as you read the scriptures, just how often the word the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, all these things show up so much. Like, it was the guiding force. Like, Jesus even forewarned in Acts 1 8, wait for the promised Holy Spirit. Like, even though you've walked with me for three years, you've seen what I've done, you even went on a short term mission trip and experienced some of the power wait until the spirit comes and then you will have power and then you'll be witnesses. Like we see this pattern. You cannot profess Jesus is Lord except in and through the Holy Spirit. So when you profess faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes residence within you. He dwells within you. He's the one that enables us to become a new creation. He's the one that gives us a new heart and a new spirit that begins to have new motivations and new desires and new longings and different types of convictions. Like that's what he does. And we've been seeing this for the last two weeks that by the fact that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit does not guarantee... Or mean that we will experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That we will experience this dynamic relationship that we can have with the Holy Spirit. So a quick flyby of the last two weeks. We saw this played out and you hear this phrase a few times. Be filled with the Spirit. Or they were filled with the Spirit. Or the Spirit fell down on them that should indicate to us that even though the spirit fully dwells inside of us because the dynamic with the holy spirit is a relationship we may not be filled with the holy spirit and so we looked at that in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 specifically where Paul's like hey don't get drunk with wine with the idea of like don't be underneath the influence of alcohol but rather be filled by the spirit Right, Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And as we looked at this, this be filled with the Holy Spirit is a present indicative, meaning it is something that you are supposed to do every single day. But it's in the passive voice, which means it's something that's done to you. So we're commanded to be filled by the Holy Spirit, but it's something that we can't do on our own. And so if you recall, we, we used this analogy of like the Holy Spirit being the wind. And think of yourself or your life as a sailboat. A sailboat is absolutely dependent upon the wind. Now, however, the wind can be blowing and the sail may not be filled with the wind. So you've got to learn how to harness the wind. You've got to learn how to set the sail in such a way so that when the wind fills the sail, we can say the sailboat is now under the influence of the wind. So that's what we started to see when we thought about or understood being filled with the Spirit. It's like, okay, he blows. Well, how do we harness that? And Paul said, real simple, there's some things that we can do. Ascribe together God's goodness, who he is, by worshiping together Singing songs, hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs together where we understand scripturally that the singing portion of our service isn't just the warm-up aspect of the real game. Like, I'm good. I don't need to sing. I'm just here for the word. Like, the word's important But for us to not give importance or to give extra relevance to worship is for us to misunderstand a lot of scripture. Then out of that posture of worship, it's like we give thanks and we submit to one another. This is, I love this. Because I love the fact that the Holy Spirit is not like the Force in Star Wars where it's something you can master. It's a tool or something that you can use and manipulate. It's a person. It's God himself. And that's why in our definition of fellowship with the Spirit, we say it's this. It's a dynamic relationship. It's a dynamic relationship be filled by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. It's a relationship with the Spirit. And as we do that, we begin to understand that the Spirit really is passionate about rooting us in the love of God. So that way we are empowered to love God, and that's a significant aspect of worship. And out of our love for God, we begin to love other people. And so this is the definition that we've been looking at. And then there's this third aspect that we're going to hit on this morning. It is him who works in us and through us to make Jesus known. We are empowered to love because he first loved. We are now able to love. If there's anything you need to know about the Holy Spirit, anything, Romans chapter 5, the spirit inside of you sheds abroad or pours out the love of God. Like that, that's what he, he does, like he's just going to dump it out on you in a Abundance. And if we follow this pattern in Romans and he starts saying, hey, you're not justified or you're not made right or you're not saved by you having to do good things or you trying to make yourself right or you trying to earn God's love or favor. No, it's all by Jesus' righteousness. He was perfect. He died your death. He took your sin and the great exchanges that he will give you then if you profess by faith. His righteousness so that you have a right standing and a right record before God. And we talk about that as like a, a spiritual resume. Everything that Jesus did is yours. So when you go to heaven, you don't give the Father your resume because that's going to look bad. You give them Jesus' resume. And because of that, we understand we are loved by grace It's unconditional. It is not based upon how I act or how I live or my attitudes or my behaviors. He loves me regardless if I fail or I succeed. That's why we can go to Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If we do not understand how the Holy Spirit works, we oftentimes will find ourselves wrestling and living and condemning thoughts. I'm not good enough. God doesn't love me. God doesn't like me. All those types of things. That should be an indicator to you that you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that is not of the Holy Spirit. And you read on in Romans 8, it starts talking about how the Spirit testifies to our spirit. Like those moments inside of you where like you just sense or like feel this impulse inside of you crying out, Abba, Dad, Father, like longing to connect with God. That's the Holy Spirit stirring that within you. And then we're told that the Spirit intercedes We saw in Ephesians chapter 3 where Paul's praying to the Father that we would know the love of God. We need the Holy Spirit to show us that. And as we experience this love, we begin to love like God. Be imitators of God as loved children. Love others like Christ loved. When you begin to move towards people in a posture of love, without expecting something back for that love, that's an indication that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's an indication that you're walking by the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want to talk about how he works in us, specifically in two areas. He loves to make sure that we know how much we are loved by God, And this is absolutely imperative because when we understand the love of God, then and only then can we actually live in the freedom that the gospel won for us. Say it this way. The Holy Spirit has liberated us to live in freedom. The Holy Spirit has liberated us so that we can live in freedom second corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 and 18 this oftentimes is a misunderstood verse it's one of those verses that we love to say because it sounds good but we really don't understand it like we we sometimes even sing this like where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom but what, what are we talking about Now, I want you to make this connection. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This is talking about the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit, wherever He is, wherever He is dwelling, there is freedom. He has liberated us, freed us from sin's domain and tyranny and death. That is what we were given through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we need to understand what is this freedom? I want you to write this down. You're going to hear me say this multiple times. This is going to be a very circular sermon. I'm going to repeat myself multiple times on different points in different ways. So if you're like, he just said this again. I'm being biblical because Paul even says, I already said this to you. And I have no problem saying it to you again. That's what I'm doing this morning. The Holy Spirit always leads to life. You Just Tattoo that one on your heart. The Holy Spirit always leads to life. He can do no other. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That makes sense because you cannot live free spiritually unless you know you are unconditionally loved by God. So let's talk about this freedom, okay? Okay. Simple equation, Holy Spirit equals freedom, right? If you're already like, what does it mean to be filled by the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to be led by the Holy Spirit? Just, just think this way, like it's, it's about freedom. It's about living and walking in freedom. Now, some people have taken this verse and absolutely abused it and misused it multiple times, talking about cheap grace. Well, I can do X, Y, and Z because I'm forgiven. I am saved. I got my fire insurance. I'm going to heaven. I can do whatever I want. It's all good. God will forgive me. That's cheap grace, as Bonhoeffer describes. That's an abuse of grace. In fact, this is a heresy that the early church called out, and even to this day, we still see its, its claws in, 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 ingrained in some churches. I'm gonna butcher the, what it's called, antinomianism. It's, it's this idea that, yes, you're saved, by grace and you are under grace but because now you are saved by grace you are not under the law which means you have no moral obligation that is so anti holy spirit like it's not even funny it's like it's just this pure grace doctrine is what they call and it's just like i can do whatever i want now And even Paul had to refute this in Romans 6. Some are saying, shall I sin so that grace increases? No. No. Because if you're doing that, you're not led by the Spirit. Because did not Jesus say over and over, and did not the Holy Spirit inspire New Testament writers, that because you love me, you're going to have this desire to obey me and if it's about obedience then what does Jesus lead us to ultimately? To love other people to be his ambassador and to show people the love of Christ. That sounds like a moral obligation. Yeah, we're not under the law the old covenant system for sure because now we're under grace. This freedom means we are free Free because we have been justified by Jesus, not because of what I've done, but because of what he has done. And this freedom reminds us and it causes us to be rooted in the love of God. Free from condemnation of having to be good enough. Free from the guilt of failing over and over. Free from the shame of things that you began to believe about yourself from years past. Free from having to prove your worth and your value and trying to be something that you're not. We're free to receive and live in the righteousness of Christ. We are free to live in the love of God. And we are free to fully receive every ounce of his love. Now, however... Saying that, even though we are fully free, even though we are fully free, we still need to learn and how to live like we're free. This is why he goes on to verse 18. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and we're being transformed into the same image. Well, whose image? Jesus' image. From glory to glory. What does that mean? From moment to moment, from one degree of transformation to another degree of transformation. In other words, I am becoming more and more like Jesus over time. And all of this is from who? The Lord, who is the Spirit. So where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now you've got to understand the spirit is at work in you because he wants to make sure you continue to live in that freedom. And his passion is to transform you more and more into the image of Jesus so that you can actually experience and live more and more in the freedom that is yours. You with me? So you ever hear this phrase before, like, it, it was much easier for God to get Israel out of Egypt. But it was a lot harder to get Egypt out of Israel. Like, Israel was literally enslaved in oppression in Egypt for 400 some years. And when God liberated them, when God saved them from Egypt, they started to walk in following the Lord But yet every now and then they would choose to live as if they're no longer free. They wanted to go back under the yoke of Egypt. They were free, factually free, liberated 100%. But they still chose to live as if they weren't. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. And this is why he has to work inside of us. Because you and I have been liberated transform new creations, but until we experience the resurrected body, like when we have no more desire to sin and no brokenness and distorted motives inside of us, like we still have to learn how to live in this freedom. Because anytime we we choose to not follow the Holy Spirit, listen, it is us declaring that we don't believe that God loves us. So let me go back to that previous statement. We don't believe that the Holy Spirit actually only leads to life. That's the reality. We have been freed to be like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is absolutely committed. To us living in this freedom. Friends, this is, if you remember last week, I asked this question like, what are your fears regarding the Holy Spirit? What is it about the Holy Spirit that makes you fearful or afraid? And some of us might just simply be like, it's all the weird stuff. I don't want to be weird. I don't want to find myself flopping on the floor in gibberish. Like we start we go that far, but I I actually want to press in a little bit. Maybe you're afraid of the Holy Spirit because you know that He's gonna want to bring some things into light inside of you. Attitudes and behaviors and dispositions of your heart, secret sins that are there. Maybe judgments that you have of who God is and slandering his character. Like, like, there's some things in our life you're like, I don't really want to be led by the Spirit because I like this sin and I don't want him to pull that one out. So does the Holy Spirit only lead to life? Do we trust him? Do we believe that he's absolutely committed to our freedom? Because as when we walk in freedom, we understand the love of God. In Galatians, Paul nails this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to a church that is being tempted and probably already walking down a different path, placing themselves again underneath the yoke of slavery. And Paul right away in Galatians chapter 1 just says, "Guy, I am astounded. That you would turn from this gospel to another gospel. In other words, they were believing. Yes, Jesus, absolutely Jesus. Paul came, proclaimed Christ. The gospel moved in power, demonstration of the Holy Spirit, new creations. They were saved. They were liberated, walking in it. Then the enemy stirred up some false teachers. They came into the church and said, yes, yes, Jesus is good. You need him, but you also need this. Because in other words, Jesus isn't sufficient for your righteousness. Like, you need that work, but now you also need your own work of righteousness. And all through Galatians, it was circumcision, which is just an old covenant um, exercise or thing that they did. I don't know how else to go through that one. Like, it was substantial. Okay? So then Paul goes into chapter 3 of this letter in Galatia, and he's like, I mean, this is his church. One of the churches he planted, you foolish Galatians. Would you guys like me if I sent out an email? You foolish Austin Okers, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Who cast the spell on you? Before whose eyes Jesus was publicly betrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Come on, tell me. Did you receive the Spirit... By the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Faith. Are you so foolish after beginning by the spirit, you were liberated, you were freed, rooted in the love of God. Are you now finishing by the flesh? Like, are you now putting yourself again underneath the yoke of a different tyrant in your heart? Are you putting yourself underneath the influence of something else? Did you experience so much for nothing if, in fact, it was for nothing So then, does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you by doing works of the law? Like, did did you do something? Can you do this? Is it by you? Or was it by what you believed from what you heard? And then he confirms again in Galatians chapter 4, talking about how the spirit inside of us cries out Abba to give us the confidence that, yeah, even though I might stumble and fall into sin and and, and at times give myself again to living a life apart from the freedom. He's like, the spirit inside of you cries out Abba. And then in chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom, freedom, Christ has set us free. He died, rose again, ascended to the heaven and sent the Holy Spirit for freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when we walk in that freedom, we are being transformed from glory to glory from moment to moment into the image of Jesus because this is how the Holy Spirit works in us. Powerful stuff. The Holy Spirit is absolutely committed to our freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm. Like, be alert. Keep your eyes open. Navigate and sense where the wind is blowing and adjust the sails to where it's going. How is the Holy Spirit leading? Are you following the path that he's leading you on? Be vigilant. Take responsibility for how you walk. And he, gets, he says here, it's like, don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Like, you lived that way before. He freed you. He saved you. He gave you the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Like, don't do it again. And that word yoke is so powerful. The imagery is so powerful Jesus even used that word yoke in Matthew 11, speaking to a people who are religiously oppressed and politically oppressed and saying, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, burnt out, realizing that you can't be good enough, feeling the weight of condemnation and guilt, wondering if your life has a purpose, come to me, take my yoke upon you for it's light, And it's easy. We're like trading that yoke to choose to put on the yoke of slavery where it's just us. We're now underneath the influence of that. And Paul continues. He's like, listen, if you end up living this way, like you have to be obligated to do everything that that way of life is pressing upon you. Like, if you're trying to be justified by the law and you're alienated from Christ, like, like, those of you who are living apart from grace, like, if you keep doing this, you, you have fallen from grace. He's not saying to the believers that, you, like, you've lost your salvation. What he's trying to do through the power of the Holy Spirit is stir them up out of complacency. Because here's what's shocking. You can't lose your salvation. If you're saved and the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you have absolute certainty of your salvation. You are fully liberated from sin and death, 100%. But what Paul is saying here is you can actually lose your freedom. You can lose your freedom. That's your choice. That should wake us up. How do we live? How are we walking? Are we walking by the Spirit? Verse 5. We eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, this hope of righteousness. In other words, like this hope is not like I wish I'm saved. This is like, no, I know I am. I'm right before God. I believe that. But this hope, I'm waiting, patiently waiting for the glorified resurrected body It's a beautiful image. 100% gospel hope where we know that we are fully loved, fully forgiven, and have a perfect record because of Jesus in the presence of God. That is freedom. How do you feel spiritually, emotionally, physically when you doubt the love of God in your life? You feel free? How do you get yourself back into that place? We're tempted to go, I have to do. But you don't have to do. You just have to harness the wind and believe what is factually true. You are loved. We have an enemy that wants to completely continue to accuse, condemn, and shame, and try to get you away from living in the righteousness of Christ for you to go back into a different yoke that will lead you into destruction, that will make your heart cold, that will make you unfruitful when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is committed to keeping you living in this freedom because He can only live to or um, lead to life. This is why he convicts you of your sin. Do you believe that when you start to feel convicted because of a sin, an attitude, or a thought, that God is actually leading you to life? Are we not so quick to feel like condemned or judged in that moment? Now are we not oftentimes fearful to bring it into the light? Why? It's for freedom the spirit set is free. He can only lead to life. He's so committed to our freedom that he wants to bring these things out because he knows that as we do this, as we learn to confess and experience again the love and the grace of God, our trust in him as he moves us more and more to the image of Jesus increases and grows and gets a lot of strength. We start to understand this is how the spirit leads. This is how the spirit nudges. This is how the spirit prompts And the more and more we learn that voice and the more and more we walk into it and the more we understand the love of Christ, the more we trust and the more we rest in him and the more we live in the freedom that he has given us. He can only lead to life. So here's the deal, okay? Because I know we wrestle with this. And we get frustrated with this. In fact, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, and if you don't get frustrated with this, I'll probably question if the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Why do we constantly battle all of these stinking desires inside of us? Why do I still battle sin? I want to follow Jesus. I want to live for Jesus. I want to live right for Jesus. Why did I still lie? Why am I still thinking maliciously? Why am I still thinking through a scheme how to get my own way? Why do I fall to lust? Why do I do all of these things? Why do I gossip? Why am I greedy? All of these types of things. Friends, to follow the spirit, to be led by the spirit is to be in his constant battle of desire. It's gonna constantly happen until you get the resurrected body. When sin is no more. But until then, we battle with inside of ourselves. To be led by the Spirit is to experience this battle. Verse 16. Walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit. And the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. They are opposed to each other. So you don't do what you want. Hooray! If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Oh, this makes sense. Why Paul would say in Romans 7, the good that I want to do is the thing that I don't want to do, but the thing that I don't want to do is the very thing I end up doing. What a wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death. Thanks be to Christ Jesus. As we follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, his desires... Are going to be in direct conflict to what your flesh, your sinful nature desires. You have to know that. And you cannot consider it strange when it happens. In fact, I want to encourage you recognize that as a work of the Holy Spirit in you. How would that change? your perspective in following Jesus, if that's how you saw that. When you feel that conflict going on, you go, the Holy Spirit's at work. He's leading you, okay? Now I need to walk by his spirit. But look at verse 16. Here's the promise. You walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. If you follow the path that he's leading you on, you will not satisfy. You will not give into the desires of the flesh, which is comforting because the spirit who is in you is greater than he is in the world. Like he has conquered. But the reality is how many times have you and I ignored those promptings by the spirit or downplayed them as something else and have chosen the other way. But there's greater grace. Because even if we stumble and fall, he is faithful to cleanse us and to pick us back up. And I don't have the time, but if you continue to look at this, he gives us this like, example. He's like, if you want to know whose yoke you're under, if you, you want to know the influence you're under, like, well, here's the works of the flesh, and they're obvious. He summarizes them in four camps, sexual morality, religious, communal living, like relational between other people and ourselves. And then he talks about substance abuse. He's like, these are obvious works of the flesh. This is what happens when you put yourself under that yoke. It's, it's essentially an absence of unconditional love in significant ways. Distorted motives, distorted good desires. But the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Fruit is inevitable when you walk by the Spirit. You're not responsible for the fruit, you're responsible for walking by the Spirit. We're the branch, Jesus is the vine. The Holy Spirit's like the stuff inside of the branch and the vine. And it produces the fruit. And the fruit's not for you, per se. But it's inevitable. It's what he does. So here's how I want to end. One of the ways that is absolutely clear of how the Holy Spirit works is in verse 24. Where Paul says to us that we need to crucify the flesh... In other words, yes, we were crucified with Christ. That's a spiritual fact. But daily, we are to choose to follow the Spirit's leading. And the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to daily take your flesh to Calvary and nail it there. That's a choice. And it's done by faith. And it's not by your own effort. It's by following the promptings and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as we step into it, you're gonna discover the grace that God gives you to be able to keep going in that way. Friends, make no mistake, when you crucify the flesh, like, it's painful. It's hard. It's not easy. But you have to be decisive. You have to be resolute. You cannot show mercy to your flesh. You cannot show pity to your flesh. Well, that's just the way I am. I can't control it. God understands anyways. No big deal. No, hate it. Show it no mercy. That's why we need to walk by the Spirit. So here's what I want want to do as we end this time. Some of you are not living in the freedom that God won for you. You're, you're living under this other yoke. And it may have been a while since you've confessed it or sh- seen it, or maybe you already know by the convictions and the, and the clarity that the Holy Spirit's putting in your mind even now that you need to turn from or confess, move away from. This is your time to move with, to walk with the Spirit's leading. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. "It is God who causes us, who stirs inside of us, to, to will and to act. Some of you, maybe you just haven't drawn near to the Lord, you haven't engaged in a relationship with the Lord. And the spirit inside of you is kind of saying, "I miss Him." I want more, I know, I used to. That's not your desire, that's the Spirit creating that desire in you. Walk by the Spirit, he's leading you that way. Some of you, truly, when we talked about baptism early on, maybe you felt a little nudge or prompts and some of you, even right now as I'm talking about this, I wanna encourage you, if that's you, walk in obedience, stir us up as a church by your heart and your obedience to following Jesus this way to declare publicly, I am under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing when the church together ascribes the goodness and the glory and the love of Jesus together. So we're going to sing some songs to help us harness the wind And then I want to encourage anybody in this space after the second song, I'm just going to come up and pray, but I'm also just going to say, like if you feel the need to get baptized, Pastor Don Reed's in the back corner. Some of you are like, well, I don't want to get baptized in this. That's okay. We got shorts. We got everything you need to be taken care of. I want to encourage you to do that because it is not just for you. It is for all of us together. And so would you pray with me as we spend some time now worshiping and reflecting on the goodness of God. Lord, I ask that through your spirit, you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I trust that through my words, that you would take what you need to take and apply it to each life here. Lord, I'm so grateful that you sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us I'm so grateful that you sent your spirit to shed abroad, to pour out the love of Christ inside of us, to know this love. Lord, thank you that it's your love that compels us and inspires us to love others. Lord, I'm so grateful that you have achieved freedom for us. You've provided a way out of every temptation. Lord, I'm thankful that by your Holy Spirit, you lead us. God, would you give us the faith and the courage to believe that you lead to life and that you are good and that we can trust you to walk in the path that you are leading us on. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would work in our hearts. Help us to learn how to experience you, to understand your nudgings, your promptings, all of the tugs. Help us to hear the whispers that you put in our hearts, the verses that, of the word of God. Like Lord, I just pray that you would teach us how to have fellowship with your spirit. Would you meet us now in Christ's name? Amen.